Hello, friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and NBs to Watery Desho's second stream. We're here to talk about Vivi, Fleurette Eyes Song, episodes six through eight, this season, spring 2021's, uh, one of this season's uh, prestige science fiction anime. Um, I'm the subtle doctor, and my audio works now. And along for the ride with me is sci fi aficionado and sometime anime fan. Uh, the Chester himself, Shadon. No, I'm just sticking with you. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't resist. For those I was of you about listen- to be like, no. For, for those no. of you, for those of you listening on podcast format when this finally comes out, that was just me like flapping my lips and saying nothing, which I think for some people might potentially be preferable to what I usually talk about here. But yes, good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. We're going to be talking about, uh, well, one half of a story and another half of a story, or two thirds of a story, because Vivi Flora Isong has decided it wants to be unconventional, um, which I'm actually okay with. You know, I think I think there's merits to the structural format that this show has. It just doesn't make for easy podcasting, funnily enough. How dare they not consider us, like, you know, know. C-list indie podcasters of anime. Damn you. Gotta throw us a bone, Vivi. Come on. That's, I'm sure that's somewhere in your mission protocol. Deep, deep down the priority list of interpretations of making I people have, happy through something. I have thrown a bone at you. Mission accomplished. Ow, my head. Dunk. <laughs> like God. Um. Yeah. So episode six through eight, like Shadon said, um, they kind of broke with their pre-established format to some degree by extending the story about Ophelia beyond episode eight. Began in episode seven. Um. Do you do you expect? nine to wrap it up it feels like nine will wrap it up and this will be only a three-parter yeah it, it should do i mean to be fair we'll get into the specifics later but um the story surrounding ophelia character we're introduced to in the episode seven um it's not just about her actually it's actually also arguably more about um vivi and also uh mm-hmm. the legacy of um toke as it turns out and Hugo. uh although Hugo. i although although the uh, next episode preview spoiled the revelation behind him. Uh, be- the oh, actual no. Truth. Yeah, it spoiled it real hard. Although, technically, oh. the OP has been spoiling it all this time. Um, <laughs> okay. Because, okay, to get, just to get some context out of the way, because we'd like to do this sometimes, um, Hugo, of course, is the guy who has just had the worst look throughout all of the stories that he's appeared in thus far. As he's grown older, he's tried to, you know, do his own little brand of terrorism. He really thinks he's like the brand new Avalanche from Final Fantasy VII. He's got a bone to pick with AI, and he always fucks it up right royally. It just always goes completely to pot the moment he sets any of his plans in action. And so... In episode seven, which is like skipped together another couple of like years later or something like that, um, there are other events that I could talk about, but I'll skip those now. Just say that Hugo reappears, but he somehow is de-aged. How has that happened? How much oil of only that fucker put on to like, you know, turn back the clock? <laughs> how did how did he oil how did he pull how did he pull that off? I have no. This clue. podcast what? is not sponsored yeah. by Oil Boy. <laughs> yeah. When, when's his YouTube series, Seven Secrets, mm. on, you know, reversing the aging <laughs> process? Although it turns out it's one secret, because there's the big spoiler that the show has actually honestly been revealing since the OP in the very first episode, and also reveals at the end of uh, episode eight. Don't, it's, don't say it. 
because I haven't been spoiled. Don't you, tell me. No, don't like, tell oh, me. I don't know. God, I don't know. Because like, all right, fine. I'll. I, no, I'll I've watched that. the OP, but I haven't picked up on what you're, what you've sluiced out of it. Well, it was um, in the ending in a in a preview of the next episode, which is why yeah, it's a yeah. bit of a fuck up on their part because they shouldn't so have revealed I, that. Right. I never but, watch those because I want to be surprised. Like I watched the after credit scene in this one, but did not watch the uh, the preview. So. This just goes to show that my philosophy is correct. You should never watch episode previews, so you can go in totally unspoiled. Yeah. I mean, you'd almost make... To me, like they feel like an anachronism anyway, episode previews, because they seem to exist for the television format. Like, make sure you're back at this time slot tomorrow when this episode airs, or right. you might miss these events. They might not re-air <laughs> on the syndication for uh-huh. years and then. Uh, whereas, well... Come back next week and then stream it wherever the fuck you want. You're not going to lose out. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I mean, it's the sort of thing you could just air on it, on your show's Twitter account, like the day before the new episode comes out, to get people. You know, because you you could argue like, oh, they're they're teasing and like I'm meant to hype your enthusiasm up, but like in this attention economy, let me tell you, people are going to forget about that quickly. The best thing to do would be to just save that shit until you know, the Sunday night before or whatever, or when some, you know, air it as like a part of an advertisement block or something yeah. like that. Well, the funny thing is though, VV has actually been pretty good with its uh, episode previews prior to that point because the episode six one at the end of that pretty climactic moment for her story and her character, um, right. you know, the episode preview of Ophelia does not show Vivi at all. She's not there. So we're left wondering what's happened oh, to man. her. Uh, oh, but man. then, but then they completely botch it in this one. So uh, I did they give it to Who's an intern? Running that thing, they gave it to an intern. That's my guess. Fucking interns, honestly. Anyway, God. I've digressed. It, I've digressed enough, so we'll get back on track here and talk about uh, you know second stream. Yes, indeed. So uh, this is our second stream format. Uh, folks who are listening now and viewing now are patrons, and we just want to thank you right now at the top of the show for your support. Um, this is why we do the programming. This is what makes the programming possible for us. So we certainly appreciate it. Um, but this will go free, um, a week from now. And if you are one of those folks watching on free and you'd like to become a patron to support the show or get, you know, one of the several perks that we offer our, our patrons, um, then head on over to patreon.com slash show. That's W-A-R-U-I. D-E-S-H-O-U, and subscribe at the $3 tier if you'd like access to Second Stream uh, the day it comes out, the ability to ask questions that must, I tell you, must get answered on Second Stream, no matter their quality, their subject matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you post it in there, and we have to answer it um, yeah. and give it, give it some serious consideration. Uh, there are lots of other benefits, uh, three budget-friendly tiers. Check it out, patreon.com slash show. Um, now, we don't have any new creatives to talk about this week because all the episode directors and writers we have already talked about before. So no new ground to cover there. So let me ask you before we get to patron questions uh, for your uh, back-of-box quote, your uh, your very kind of brief summation of what you thought of episode six through eight of vivi um i'll give you a summation of episode six because i don't feel comfortable judging episode seven or eight just yet 
because they are two parts of a three-part story. Uh, but my feelings on episode six is, I think it really crystallized for me what the show is trying to do with its whole, like, you know, RAIs advancing too quickly. Like, what lens, what framework are we going to examine this well-worn, age-old, like, you know, trope in science fiction through? And mm-hmm. it confirms something that I found or suspected, which is really refreshing in that it tackles um, it through... Not the service industry, like I suggested when I brought up the Asimov discussion last time with the shoe fitting mm-hmm. in the Caves of Steel book, uh, but rather it's looking at something different, which is AIs as, uh, you know, carers for humanity, you know, sources of warmth, comfort, emotion, um, connection, that kind of thing. It's not to do with just like, you know, them like hammering together cars or whatever or building stuff. Um, yeah. And episode six really nailed that for me. And it also really nailed, um, again, the consistent element of what how Vivi portrays this, which is it's not AI's like advancing is not inherently a bad thing. It is how we allow them to advance and what ways we choose to restrain them, uh, you know, or mishandle the whole affair. That is the problem. It's our execution of the <clears throat> of their advancement that's the issue here. Um so yeah, episode six is the highlight of the show for me thus far, in my opinion. Um, and I am eager to see what happens next with the end of episode uh, nine when we get that. Because there's a, there's two parallel storylines going on there and they're both uh, they're both a bit fucked up in their own right. Yeah. Right. Um, um, but yeah, so if you want my back of the boxing, uh, come, come for the music, stay for the, uh, the fresh twist on AI sci-fi stories. <laughs> Oh, speaking of twists, holy shit, dude. D- 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 what what did you think of the Danganronpa-esque twist at the end of episode eight? Because I did not oh. see that shit coming in any way, shape, or form. Oh, boy. Um, well, the first thing I want to point out is, um, this is something one of our patrons knows. It's a shout to Rackham. Uh, Ophelia, of course, Shakespearean reference to, Mac- uh, not Macbeth, sorry, uh, Hamlet. Uh, falls in water more than once in these episodes so there's your um, right. there's your like you know yes. your visual reference but I thought to myself I'm going to dig a little deeper because Ophelia it was revealed in episode 8 had an AI partner not too dissimilar to the pairing between Matsumoto and Vivi because you know parallels and contrasts and all this mm-hmm. um, named Antonio and I thought Antonio, Antonio sounds like sounds like a shockingly specific name <laughs> yeah that sounds curious so I went on yes. the wiki I went on the Wikipedia page for Hamlet which of course is where Ophelia comes from um and one the thing Wikipedia we learned... page specifically is where she comes from <laughs> no. oh yeah she, she was just invented there you know like mm-hmm. by some like anonymous user <laughs> she emerged well, forth from like the the pit of data <laughs> becoming sentient walking through Wikipedia towards Prince Hamlet delivered in secret through a vpn of unknown origin um but no um the god damn you uncle (laughs) your vps (laughs) the um the fate the two things know first which is ophelia in the story of hamlet died uh through drowning of course but it's not Mm. clear in the story by as but deliberately by the way because shakespeare was known for throwing in a bit of ambiguity here and there including as whether or not he was named christopher marlowe but that's a discussion for a different day um (laughs) I still love that little bit of backstory, Tim. But anyway, point being, um, it's not clear in the story if she died from suicide or from madness. Uh, and, well, the ending of episode eight makes it clear it may very much be the latter of the two. Um, because it turns out that uh, Ophelia has been replaced by Antonio's, like, 
persona, AI, whatever. He has literally possessed her body. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing to note is I was like, okay, Antonio, very specific name. I'm going to see if this appears on this page. So I hit, you know, Control-F on the Google browser, types in Antonio, one hit. One hit. And mm-hmm. it turns out uh, there is a playwright named John uh, Marston, no relation to the Red Dead Redemption character of <laughs> the same name. Darn. Yeah, yeah it was who, him. No relation who, because it was, in fact, him. Yeah, who <laughs> wrote uh, two plays featuring a character named Antonio. And the second of those two is a revenge story that often gets compared to Hamlet, but as a inferior hyperbolic like version of it, and I'm like, that is the that is a deep literary court if that's that what a... um, <laughs> if what Vivi is going for here. That, um, that is a deep cut. Yeah, oh, wow. to say that to say that Ophelia has been replaced by an inferior like you know equivalent. <laughs> right right that's that's quite something i might be reaching there but i thought no way is antonio just been plucked from the ether like that that sounds to me like it was the name of a character appearing in actually in hamlet which i've not like ever really read in full i only know like the bones of it It was like oh so it turns out there's a play that's very similar to it featuring a character named antonio who wants revenge and it gets compared lots to hamlet so Hmm. there you go Hmm. Uh, that's that's the literary deep cut there for you that's research right there. The only the, the research that people pay three dollars a month for. Should I doing the the deep diving? You know, I, I I have to do it at least once a year for my tax write off. It's fine. <laughs> you must spelunk for that info. Uh, well, that's that's very well spotted by you. Um, and yeah, the Hamlet reference definitely there. It didn't even occur to me the whole water thing. Like, haha. Um, but uh, so for me, these episodes, um, oh, wait, before before I get to that, you mentioned like, you know, the the ambiguous nature of Ophelia's passing, like, was it suicide or was it uh, madness? Um, and some people would be like, well, they're, it's tomato, tomato or whatever. But like, um, isn't it interesting how, I don't know, like. If you think about uh, madness as a concept and you think about, I don't know, an AI kind of losing it or kind of encountering some kind of error or uh, being hacked into uh, and kind of forced to go against what their mission is or what their nature is. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's a, one of those instances, again, where I just think about like, the difference between AI and humans, like we use different ways to talk about it, but like, you know, things happening to their brains, things happening to our brains. Like, is there really just a lot of difference there between, you know, an AI quote unquote going mad from the causes you described to a computer failing and one of our brains, you know, just like having a chemical imbalance and, really well, pushing hard one way right well well uh, i'll say this and we'll discuss it later because i know it's mentioned in one of our patreon questions at least but i'm gonna put it out there right now that uh, although matsumoto claims the official history uh states that ophelia is the first ai suicide to happen uh that is categorically not true and i'm not saying that's because what ultimately happened to her may or may not be counted as suicide but because another android has already committed suicide in the show on screen Okay. That was Vivi at the end of episode six, because it's revealed she shot herself in the head afterwards. 
She's got that hole in her face, remember? Oh, well, that was there before. I was, was convinced uh, that she had shot herself. It was uh, it was actually the guy who shot himself. Yes, but she could have still picked up the gun afterwards. Oh, no, so that hole was there. I, I believe that hole was there prior, like, on, you mean in her in the, her cheek? Yeah, I was convinced that was she there, shot herself. Yeah, well, so that was there when she approached him, was talking, but, like, it, she got blood on it, the hole, the kind of wound that was already there. So, yeah, I don't think she shot her. She did not shoot herself. She had a break, a nervous breakdown, basically. Mm. For that was my my ah right my reading of the situation because I only heard one gunshot. Um, well, they might not have shown it to us, but I was uh, I was thinking that that was why that had happened. Because anyway, never mind. I might be wrong on that. Uh, but anyway, um, I will say this though ahead of time because uh, it's going to be one of my talking points. I enjoyed these episodes, but I feel like they had massive missed opportunities in them. And by which I mean both at the end, both episode six and the events of episode seven or eight. Um, we'll get to those, but I feel like they could have tackled some really, really interesting stuff, but they feel like they're taking the easy action-oriented route out of them, unfortunately. Where it's much more exciting to see, like, you know, what we see at the end of episode six. Um, but again, talk about it later. But yeah, I, I, I do have... I do have the kind of criticism I don't like making, but it's just like, I, I, what we got was good, but you could have done something even better, but it just wouldn't have been, a, well, have been more boring for, like, you know, <laughs> for, for people, except for me, like, you know, who likes, like, you know, uh, big thinky sci-fi, but hmm. we'll get into that. Okay, so I will I will give my, my brief summation, and that is these episodes to, had some uh, very powerful moments, mm-hmm. some very striking imagery. Which, um, I don't know, like it it was, I don't know if I was quite expecting something so, uh, emotionally visceral. Um, now it's not to say that this show has hit me hard in the ways that a lot of my favorite anime have in terms of emotional gut punches. I don't think it's quite to that level, but I mean, it is... For, for a science fiction show that is, you know, that, that is a thinky show, I think, um, that is dealing with, like, high-concept stuff, uh, you know, that is sort of brainy and, you know, thinking about, like, or asking the viewer to think about differences between human beings and artificial intelligence and what really makes us human, like, all that stuff, Um I don't know. It's like uh, there's some very emotional moments and some high drama. Uh, and I've really appreciated that. Episode five had that. Episode six had that. Um, I get the feeling that the payoff to episodes uh, seven and eight uh, will have that. So I have been uh, I have been impressed with that. I think the production is very uh, pretty. Uh, I think it looks good. Um, I think it's entertaining. Um, for the most part, I, I feel like I don't. I don't have an awful lot to say. Although, like maybe responding to you and the patrons that will come out. But like, yeah, I mean, um, it doesn't really seem. For, for all that I said, that it is brainy. Like it. It's not. Um, I don't know. It's. It's not like setting the world on fire in terms of like, you know really stretching me out up here Mm -hmm. uh and but that's not a that's not a i don't know 
basically I'm saying I like it a lot. It's very, very good. I'm entertained. I like the characters a lot. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's very good. It's extremely solid and competent, but like, I don't know. I can't, I can't quite give it the sort of upper, upper tier marks. I, I think uh, you and I may broadly be on the same page there, Doc, because I, I think like there is potential in the material presented here where if it actually focused less on the action elements and actually thought, did something more of substance. I'm not saying there isn't substance in this show already. But yeah. rather, I think there's fertile ground here for them to explore things. I mean, I mentioned before, like, the angle this show is taking where it's saying, hey, what about, like, robot, like, you know, AI and androids as uh, people that we connect with that we could even dare say love, marry, this kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the entire show, of course, is based around Vivi as a singer, uh, not someone who, like, you know, does heavy, like, industry, like, she's not a miner or something like that. Because that tends to be, in my experience, what a lot of, like, uh, science fiction revolving around robots is about. They're sure. either soldiers, uh, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, Terminator, you know, this kind of thing. They, they're weapons of war, or they're all about the heavy industry. Not so much about uh, the performing arts, the creative uh, creative stuff, you know, Um and that, of course, in the part of the reason that we have art is to emotionally connect with people. And so how does that work for an AI? Can it be done for an AI? Like, these yeah. are interesting questions that other material doesn't necessarily tackle because it focuses more on androids and robots as transformative forces on humans rather than the other way around, necessarily. Um, But that being said, like, that is fertile ground, but there mm-hmm. are things in this show that I think to myself, like if you did this just a little differently, you could be punching so much harder with the idea here. I mean, for one thing, we learn the truth of what's happened with Grace in episode six. And I'm going to get into that in laborious detail soon enough. And I can't help but think to myself, they had such a golden opportunity to make it analogous to the experiences of marginalized people, um, like say for example, LGBTQ plus people, people in like non-conventional relationships, charting like on like you know new mm-hmm. territory mm-hmm. and what it means to fall into those kind of relationships right. and how the world ultimately comes down on them like it's on a bricks because it's not in line with the norm but that doesn't really happen and you might say well of course it happened you know the events of the episodes make the clear that grace and uh Dotsaki were separated but i'll get to it later all i'll end on is saying that happens independently of their marriage and that's the key problem I have with that because it feels like it was so easy for it to be a response to them getting married rather than just a twist of fate that separates them. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost wanted that story to be longer. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, God. I, I almost make a whole show about this this little arc because they didn't... I mean, I was so looking forward last time we talked about this to see what it would say about, you know, love and robots and it was very much just kind of about like i say kind of it was, it was just about saving the future um and there was a lot about you know how what's he called dr psyche had yeah. uh fucked up you know but it just didn't it just, there wasn't like you said it was missed opportunity to give us to give us more i don't know more there i wanted more i mean we got we got some of it um, but I don't know. I just left, it did leave me a little bit unfulfilled in that regard. So yeah, 
um, very good, uh, but definitely, definitely could be better. Yeah, in some in some ways, like leaving leaving me leaving me wishing for more, which I guess is one of those like you'd rather do that than than not serve enough. But like, yeah, it's like you know, I feel like the door is just open for them sometimes to like really step through and. Uh, and say some things and make some interesting points. Not that they don't make any interesting points. Obviously, they do. But yeah, and just just wanted more. So, but enough of this. Uh, we've delayed too long the patron questions. So, uh, let us get into that. Cool. Right then. Uh, first batch of questions comes from Son of Rackham and goes something like this. Uh, based on the outcomes and changes of their actions so far, do you believe Vivian Matsumoto will be successful in averting the coming war between humans and AI, or do you think they will only be successful in changing its original cause, with the war proving to be inevitable? So, events play out the same, but the context is different. Mm-hmm. That's hard for me to say, because we still don't actually know the circumstances in which the war begins in the future anyway. We only have Matsumoto's account of like it happening, and even then, he never, to my memory, gives concrete reasons for what triggers it. It is just a series of interconnected events that lead to that. But something that we need to be cautious about here, and this is something I was thinking of, of all things when like you read, for example, about like, you know, serial like killers, mass juices and all that is like sometimes people will look at the whole mm-hmm. history of their life, the tapestry of it, and be like, all of these horrible things built up to this singular event. And yet, as this was a, in a big Joel video, I've been watching his stuff recently. This was one, one about Elliot Rodrell. I know this is like a weird fucking tangent, but I promise you it has Love a point. Love Big Joel, though. Big Joel's great. Big Joel's um. great. Um, but I, I promise you this has a point in that you can't, like, prosecute and work on all the minutiae you know, all individual events to try and stop them in order to prevent an atrocity happening. It's impossible. You can't live your life like that where everything's just completely covered in cotton wool. You know, there will, like, risks, uh, uh, you know, are inevitable and a part of the nature of, like, you know, change and advancement. Um, So, I think that in the end, um, I think that the war will ultimately be stopped. Um, but and this is going to tie into a layer question um, that we're going to have. The reason why it will be stopped is not because of Matsumoto's like philosophy, which is the ends justify the means. You know the the roads, you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. All of this sort of stuff. You mm-hmm. know what's what's a bit of innocent blood spilled? Like you know if we actually, <laughs> you know the needs of the many and all this sort of stuff. Like very essentialist. Uh, whereas um, Vivi's, whereas. Vivi's uh, perspective is one, of course, of, and she says very much so in um, episode 7 8 with regards to Ophelia, like, your short-term solution of just restraining Ophelia doesn't solve the long-term problem, which is something she plans to solve by showing empathy and caring for Ophelia. Like, what's your, what's what's causing you to feel pain, you know? Mm-hmm. What's causing you to feel despair, uh, which is also why I, I will just sneakily hint at my future point now, which is that's why the ending of episode 8 is also a bit of a cheat, in my opinion. It's a bit of a cop-out, but we'll mm. get to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. That's, Interesting. That, I feel like it's a bit of a, a, bit of a cheat, that. But yeah, um, okay. I think they will. Um, and I think in the end, it'll be because of Vivi's direct involvement and her desire to see people happy. Because 
one of the things that this show has done thus far is it's shown how how many like AI have this goal which is pure in intent but ultimately is manipulated in some way to mm-hmm. cause like either for them to cause harm or for people to use them to cause harm. We saw that with Estelle and Elizabeth, you know, with the uh, Sunrise Hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. We see that with Grace, um, and then we see that you know, like with Ophelia and uh, Antonio as well in this one. Uh, even Vivi's own mission, like you know, has been twisted to cause her to this. And so, like a lot of suffering has happened thus far in the show that's been narrowly avoided because of AI with their missions being twisted, ruled the rules bent. Yep. But I think it would ultimately be a great assertion for the show to end on if it was like, oh, this rule was bent but it was bent like you know in a way that it proved like the right philosophy for like you know for vivi to have and for people to have which is just to give a shit about each other you know to connect to care and all that so yeah yeah i think you're getting at something there which is like the chief difference or one of the chief differences between humans and ai as this show paints them is like is is these certain sort of vices like cowardness um cynicism laziness like ai is so devoted to its goals and so driven you know there's a lot of ways that there's they're indistinguishable between uh themselves and and humans but like you're never gonna find an ai like give up on on their goal and it's like that just seems like such a incredible virtue but like because humanity is humanity we're twisting that goodness and that uh that trait that would seem on its face to always be good to like fulfill some some selfish desires um and you know the the rackham's question about like you know the war is it inevitable uh, are are these two only pr- changing the context, but the the end, the the, the destination is inevitable. And I, I mentioned last time, like that the show f- it, it sort of has history feeling like something that we have to wrestle to change. That it is mm-hmm. like I think you pointed it out like a like a river. You said that is not so easily diverted from from its course, and um, I. I think, oof, this is so hard to call. I mean, I guess if I had to call it now, I would say I think it will, you know, will happen um, still. Uh, But this show, I don't know, saying that this show seems so kind of optimistic about some things that it would feel weird if it were to go, yeah, well, uh, this kind of mass scale suffering, there's nothing we could do about it. But at the same time, I don't, it's just so hard because, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess, I'm just really tantalized by how they are going to, mm. like, what, what the, what the end looks like, and how they're gonna get away from it. Um, they haven't diverted history to the point where it's totally unrecognizable yeah. yet. You know what the, I mean? Like, you would think, mm. like, that if they made very <clears throat> sub substantive changes at the start that maybe by the time they get to this point things look very very different or like certain people don't exist or whatever uh but but the major players are still there and the major risks are still there go ahead yeah you know you're 100 right in the um in a 
if you if there were any like really substantive shifts and there have been i mean the show has like actually shown the branching tree like the timelines mm-hmm. branching out so these changes haven't been inconsequential but rather um what i think is worth noting is that things have still the, the progress of ai's has still marched on despite vivian matsumoto's efforts so in a way i wonder if the show's message is that technology the march of technology is inevitable right. Um, but then that would also tie into its message, which I agree with, which is that technology itself is inherently amoral. It's how we craft it, how we shape it, uh, and what we choose to do with it that's important. And that's very clearly exemplified for all I think it's a flawed implementation of it in what happens to Greece, um, which we'll discuss soon enough, because, you know, um, it's not that Grace like was defective or anything like that, but rather uh, that she was, like, you know, put into a position, like, against her will. Um, she was mm-hmm. put into charge of the metal float without, a, and she. Uh, the thing is, I say that she probably did have a say in it, but thing is, she's an AI. Her goal is to make people happy. Yeah, and uh, they don't have the same. It's it's very easy to imagine that her her word is not given the same amount of weight. Her consent is not given the same amount of weight that human she'd beings be, will be. Well, she'd be, she'd be considered property. She'd be the hospitals. Yeah. So like they just go to the hospital. Oh yeah, can we uh, have your AI here. Yeah, sure, whatever. You know, do you want to do you want to put it in a box first or are you just going to walk it out? That kind of thing. They probably have, like I, I joke, but there was probably an element of coldness to that. Um Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think or, it or they like put an out. offer to or sorry, I was just going to say or they put it to her as an offer in a way that declining would feel like declining her mission, something like that. Yeah. I, I think that maybe that's part of the point though. That it, technology ill It'll keep advancing. That Tower of Abel will keep rising. Um, but it's what we do with it that's important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, too, uh, about uh, Matsumoto not providing Vivi with... Uh, sorry, Vivi. Don't want to cause confusion with the Final Fantasy IX <laughs> character again. Um, not providing Vivi with like context of what happens. And I think... In some ways, I just don't think he cares about context at all. It's like he sort of operates like a an ye old kind of version of AI that we would think of it as like in the past, you know, very sort of like cut and dry, uh, no ambiguity. Like it's like he sees there's a set of propositions and he has to flip them from negative to positive. Um, and that's it. I mean, case in point, like you were saying, that it's totally exemplified by how he feels about Ophelia. He's just like, well, when she comes out of her dressing room, we just have to have her avoid killing herself then. Job done. Then we go back to our normal lives. And it's like, well, so she just might kill herself later. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's yeah. like a lot more to it. There's more going on. And Vivi just has this totally different, uh, more human approach to like an empathetic approach um, about like changing hearts, um, changing minds, ma- really actually making people happy, um, which is a very complex mission in some ways that uh, is is very interesting. And that kind of, as you were saying, like it that leads her to do some things that really catch up to her in episode six, where it's like my goal is to make people happy and that's why I've been doing everything. And yet the ultimate suffering is right here in front of me that I've caused. And it's just like this massive contradiction 
happens. Mm-hmm. But like, I know we have a question about that later. Um, but I'm going to change my answer to Rackham's question and say that I think that they will they will successfully. I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to say they successfully kick the can down the road. That that they they prevent the war, but there's some sort of tease, uh, some sort of element is still present in society that could could cause things to break down later. Um, yeah. But what's but here's a here's the thing, Shannon. Like you, you know. It's so funny that we're like this whole thing is about like uh, putting a clamp down on AI evolution and on things like the ex- like expedience of AI getting rights and AI assimilating into human society. All these things that really do seem good on on the face of it. Um, it like, do you think? Like, who do you think is at, at fault? ultimately in this war because like i have been approaching everything with like that the humans have ruined this somehow what Uh, do you think well again this is why i think matsuboso's lack of context like he like he might not care that vivi about vivi knowing but we as the audience need to be clued into this because currently the way that the show frames his uh, like his history and his motivations is very ambiguous, very suspect even, because he is again yep. arguing against his own existence if you think about it um, mm-hmm. and we don't see enough of what happens at the in the first episode, like in the future scenes to truly get a grasp on it um, there's a hint that like the AI have been corrupted somehow uh, because we get to see like the interior views of, of you know from their perspectives with like the little God. flashing red elements around the side, yeah. so if there is someone at fault here, I don't think it's going to be because the AI like was so. It's not going to be like in the Matrix or the Animatrix, rather. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think this. I actually do think that this show borrows from a little bit of the Metal Float because as much as I make the near Automata Island joke and all this, uh, <laughs> there was in the Animatrix in the specific like his like this the animated short which was about the history of the lead up to the war. Like the machines of that franchise did build an island city for themselves. Uh, yeah. Which is also where all, like, you know, machine outputs, like, all, like, industrial outputs started centralizing there because they were just so much better at it, which similarly matches with the metal flow. Um, so what you're saying yeah, is like, this is not like an iRobot situation where some robot has galaxy-brained and decided that the best way to fulfill the mission is to, like, completely wipe out humanity or something like that. That there's a, a corruption. There's a corruption somewhere, and... I am gonna guess that it might be a, it might be a fucking Yugo somehow traveling <laughs> all the way down the times. God like, damn it! Yugo. In, in the in, in the way that I cannot spoil because Doc wants to keep keep that hidden. Um, mm-hmm. So I also don't. I also think that if it did turn out the war, like just just to hypothetically speak here, like was due to the like AI or an androids rising up for their rights. You know, like in the Matrix, for example, where they wanted to fight back against systemic oppression and violence. Um, I feel like that would be really undercut by what the show's done thus far because yeah, because they haven't like despite everything, like AI is generally speaking been treated like like progressively throughout the course of even the original history. They're like, treated they're, too well. <laughs> like yeah. what the what the premise of this whole thing yeah. is is like so so no, we got to slow it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and there's, and. Throughout all of these stories, like there's always been a hidden angle that the official history Matsumoto is so certain of, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out there was something else at work that was not covered in history, um, which again I think is also a really smart point. The show makes that what we know ourselves of history will always be incomplete. We'll always miss the shades, complexities, or even like you know some of the principal actors. I mean, I mentioned Shakespeare before Christopher Marlowe. They are believed to be the same person, uh, but there's no way we will ever truly know for sure. I would argue, um, at least mm-hmm. maybe I could be wrong on that. But yeah, so I think it's more about a question of like the show's overarching idea is that there is a set history that we in theory could use if we knew of its change the future but there will always be elements that we're not aware of history is more complicated than what is presented in like you know the light of day um so to answer that question after being long and circuitous about it i'm gonna say i think that there's a there's a malign force at work um that ultimately causes the wars happen in the end and i'm gonna wager it's gonna be fucking yugo because Hugo sure. has at least once compelled an android to work for him to commit a terrorist act. So who's to say like he can't com- like compel all androids? I mean, if you it, this has all been about twisting like the logic of missions, you know, like mm-hmm. making people happy. And well, I could see it like this. Let's do the nihilism thing, you know. Let's do the Seymour from Final Fantasy X angle. Uh, if everyone's dead, <laughs> no one can ever be sad, and therefore they're always happy. Boom. <laughs> Is that really Seymour's logic? It's been a long time since I've played the game. Seymour's logic was that Spiro was like a world of suffering, so he said, well, if I kill everyone, no one can suffer, right? Oh, boy, Seymour. <laughs> what a fucking Kefka wannabe he was. Oh, man. what a It's still in his emo phase, Seymour. <laughs> what, a, what a chump. <laughs> All right, ready for the next question? I am indeed. Uh, so next question from Rackham, and I've been waiting for this one because this is the this is the big moment. This is the linchpin of what I think Ooh. is the best moment of the show thus far. And the it's word why I wish it did. Yeah, this is why I also think that it shouldn't focus on action so much rather than these little bits. And it goes something like this. So judging by the way that Tatsuya, that's Dr. Saeki, risked having the Grace clone, uh, K5, attack Vivi, uh, do you see this as a sign he viewed any potential body of or clone of Grace as expendable and that he was in love with her mind programming or whatever it was that made Grace Grace? Okay, so context. We need to get this out of the way first so people know what to talk about. Um, we find out in episode six that the Grace robot that we saw in episode five, whom we assumed was his wife, is not. Uh, rather, mm-hmm. it is a duplicate of Grace known as K5. Uh, I only, I'm very glad they didn't have a dog because then obviously the designation, but that would oh, be obvious. God. Uh, yeah. God. That would have been No that, wonder, been, no wonder they were so. It would have been bad. No wonder they were so kind of standoffish, like once they felt that the people weren't watching. Um, I thought that was odd last episode and. Well, here we are. Yep. Uh, and what's happened is essentially that uh, Doc Seki proposed to Grace um, and she agreed. And literally the moment that happened, he got a phone call saying, oh yeah, um, we're going to take G- Grace and modify her and retrofit her to be the control AI of this new mass like AI manufacturing island called the Metal Flow, which is literally, I should point out, built on top of the church he had plans to propose to it. Because the the scene yeah. we see at the start of episode five is not actually them getting married, or it might have been K five possibly, but in any event, it's not him and Grace actually getting married. Um, man, yeah, uh, so, that's what so, that's what she so, get for loving one of the best ones. They yeah. get promoted right out from under you. Exactly. So uh, yeah, the Metal Flow was literally built on you know top of his uh dream of marrying her um i should also just again stress 
this just happened completely coincidentally within a minute of her of him proposing to her and maybe we'll get a big reveal later on it was all part of a long going like bullshit conspiracy something but i, I don't want that to be true because it would just be even dafter but point being yeah. they are unconnected events which i think is actually a flaw in the storytelling here i think that's a missed opportunity but i'll talk about it later um but what happens is that Vivi plans to destroy Grace in the core of the metal float to shut it down after it goes completely ballistic. Um, and at this point, Dr. Seki and K5 have arrived at the metal float and explained what's going on, explained how everything that's happened. Uh, and she's Vivi, that is, says, I'm going to go and stop her. I don't believe she's still really all there. Like, there's fragments of her left. Like the whole hosting a surprise for her and Matsumoto. Mm -hmm, the fact that mm -hmm. she starts singing uh, Vivi's song in this really distorted way. Yeah. And I was it's just like, not even very... real singing. What did they say? It's yeah. just tone data. It's just data. Yeah. Very near automata again. Mm -hmm, because there mm -hmm. are many times in that game where like a bunch of AI lose their shit and start like yelling, become as gods or this cannot continue. <laughs> this this cannot continue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very that. And so... And this is the thing I love about this moment. Dr. Seki just says, without even thinking about it, without even considering the implications, he says, stop her, K5. And K5 runs forward. Vivi uh, turns on, you know, killmode.exe and just twists it like the yeah. top of a, like, you know, a drinks bottle. Yeah. Done. And this moment was brilliant. It was awful, but it was massive. This whole episode because of how it was presented i think that rackham is spot on here in that he viewed k5 as expendable but but the genius of this moment the way it's executed the way the his voice actor delivers this is just something that he just like i have to do some shit i'm panicking like no stop it do something um mm -hmm. is brilliant because it shows that he didn't like, he did think of her as expendable, but probably never consciously realized it. He always yeah. had that distinction in his mind that she was, of course, um, you know, not Grace. She was just an imitation. And then the the brilliance of this moment is that it goes to show that he, even though he himself is a proponent of, like, you know, progressive, like, nature towards AI, he wanted to marry one of them. He's still not there yet because he will casually dispose another one of them to try and save the one he loves. Like, can you imagine, yeah. like, you know, if you, if you like, you know, found out your, like, wife had been taken away somewhere, uh, let's say she was in another country, and you suddenly had the means to get to her, but in order to do so, you had to literally push, like, your, like, confidant, girlfriend, etc., off a cliff. <laughs> a clone of my wife. <laughs> yeah, or put, put them in harm's way. Like, you'd yeah. find that reprehensible, wouldn't you? But even he... A progressive, like, thinker with regards to AI just well, suddenly sure. realizes unconscious, like, you know, failings and, like, his biases towards them and just tosses this AI away. Well, I mean, I think it, even if it was a human, he would have tossed it away. Like, he just, he loved Grace. And when when faced with, like, this really terrible kind of decision of, like, do you choose to sacrifice someone to save the one you love or to let the one you love die and not make the sacrifice. I mean, I think it's, it's very understandable to choose, make the sacrifice like, and he, and, and that's a very kind of like rarefied ethical problem. And I don't think it sort of, I, I don't think it, it, um, 
Oh, uh, how do I say? I don't think that it um, m- makes him some kind of liar or not really about like android rights or whatever. I mean, he's just faced with this really awful, heinous situation. Um, but but he, you know, I mean, it's an interesting point that he like as her master can willingly make her do that sacrifice. But but well, I don't know. I mean, re- like. Like I don't well so like I I don't believe in uh, murder, <laughs> for instance. Yeah. <laughs> but I you know if it meant saving one of my children or wife from ser- harm that they would otherwise come to, certainly I would seriously consider and possibly commit murder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that that like it's it's uh, I I don't know I don't think that that's like a some kind of uh, mark against him in terms of his like pro Android philosophy. I know that's not really the nature of the question, but um, I just wanted to defend him in that regard for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this scene, like you said, so good. Everything about this episode was great. And it absolutely proves what Rackham is saying that what, what he loves is not, um, not the, not simply, the body uh, that a clone could easily inhabit and a personality that she could imitate, but that specific individual, that uh, that programming, that specific data, that soul um, that you might say of grace. I mean, that is what he cares about the most and what he's willing to risk everything to get back. Um, and I mean, like he really hasn't thought this through because I mean, just seeing how defeated he is and how much he's suffering, I mean, it hurts because, you know, he's realizing, like, oh, my God, like, this is so futile. Like, so many people are going to get killed if I, like, proceed with this. And my shutdown plan didn't work because, at this point, my wife's soul is so diffuse throughout all the AI on this island. There's no way to recover all of it. So I'm screwed no matter what. Like, even if I succeeded like the the, she the essence of her is not just at the core like it's everywhere spread all over the course of the 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 Mm -hmm. geography of the island and so yeah i mean i think that this is it and i mean this is i think a big part of what the show has to say i guess about like love and robots uh, or at least the episode has to say about love and robots and that like Mm -hmm. Um, and that love is not, I guess, confined to like, uh, things with like an organic body Yeah, that a human can really love, um, another personage, personality, whatever, even if it's, you know, in a computer or in an artificial body. Uh, or whatever um i i think he do do you think like hmm do you think it would have been the same for him if he could recapture her personality but like put it in a cube or a jar well he was um, planning on putting it in k5 that's why he had her exactly yeah so, i mean the, i think i i think yeah i was just gonna say i just, i think the body's not totally unimportant that's why he no. kept the clones around so yeah, and that's also why that uh, moment of him throwing away K5 stings even the more. Because mm-hmm. I personally still do think that it's not... 
like again i think it is a mark against him not in the sense like you know that he doesn't personally want to commit murder but rather he's throwing someone else's life away to save another's uh whereas in you know you'd argue that maybe it's too prior price to pay um but i think also it's particularly noteworthy that even if even though i disagree with him like sacrificing k5's like personality soul whatever to be replaced with graces by sucking her out of the core and putting her into this new body uh it also just goes to show like how little he's thinking about because he literally threw her away and with her gone even if vivi had failed what was he gonna do then what was his backup plan was he gonna put her on a bunch of floppy disks gonna insert disc 1002 <laughs> 1003 i know 1004 shit that's gonna take forever isn't it well at least it wasn't a tape drive <laughs> I'm sure he had some kind of plan, but I mean, we'll yeah. never know. Here's a curious thing. Why do you think he, I mean, he had a gun. Why do you think he just didn't shoot Vivi? And why did he make an AI fight another AI instead of just shooting her? I'm going to assume that he had a regular gun and not a, like, because we see, like, that there are guns that can shoot bullets that can, like, stun or knock out androids. Uh, I'm going to assume he just happens to have a regular one, especially if he uses it to shoot himself. It would be a bit... It would look a bit weird if it was like the anti-android gun and he shot himself with that. Um, so I'm going to assume that he realized that it was just more... It was like an it was like him doing an act of defiance, but ultimately it would be ineffectual against her because we see Vivi get shot in the first couple of episodes and it doesn't do anything mm-hmm. to her. So my I think that, like, like you said, um, he's in a panic. I think in that moment, my theory is that he's not thinking about that, but that it is his instinct to not shoot an AI himself mm-hmm. because he considers it, a, he considers her a person. So he doesn't want to be the one committing murder and he, it just goes against everything in him. So I think even in this moment, he's mm-hmm. showing that he shows that he considers, uh, AI as people. Now it is, it, it's, there's some self contradiction in his actions, of course, and pe- people are contradictory and make oh, decisions yeah. that are that are like that. But I think it's like, you know, he acts on instinct because he starts the shooter, pulls up, and's like, "No, I can't do this," and then throws K five at her. So it's a really interesting sequence of events. Yeah, one other thing I'll say to Rackham's point there about the idea of like you know him loving Grace specifically, um, the the soul, the persona. Um, is it's perfectly in line with what the show has established thus far in terms of how androids diverge, how they develop unique personalities and unique memories. That was, after all, what we saw with Elizabeth and um, Mm -hmm. Stella. They were identical androids that simply just, you know, moved into different directions, you know. Again, also appropriately enough, because they were forced apart. Like, there were external forces at play that put them in the position they were in, much as it is with Grace, um, and so therefore the fact that he in theory could just get another Grace model off the shelf much as he does with K5 but doesn't fall in love with them um, is just again more proof to how you know in the fiction of Vivi the the, the show like Android is shown to be you know unique um, yeah. like creations beyond just what happens to them when they're off the factory floor yeah real um, individuals and- right yeah, exactly. It's consistent with that, which is another strength of the show's storytelling. One other point I'll make, though, is this, this is also something else that's really good about this show. Is I've talked before about like Isaac Asimov and stuff, but there's a character in fiction that probably a lot of people are familiar with, even though they don't actually watch all of the show that he appears in, uh, who's had a number of episodes that t- 
cover topics like that. And that is, of course, Data from Star Trek, The Next Generation. Uh, there's a very specific episode that I've watched and I'm really fond of uh, called The Measure of a Man, uh, which is, a sense, yep. you know of it. It's well, the episode I, only where... because you've talked about it many times on this show. There we go. Well, I'll bring it up again. It's the one where yep. Data is like is, is basically put on trial uh, to be determined to be property or not. And it then, you know, leads into discussion of how the Federation could potentially be creating a slave race by duplicating him and all that sort of stuff. Great great like you know sci-fi because it's about considering the effects of like technology its implementation and not just the big like boom boom bang bang like you know like we've got this super cool ship like it's what you do with it that's important not what it actually is that's what makes good sci-fi but the reason i bring this up is because something that was noted in a review i watched of the sh- of that episode once is that technology moves so fucking fast you cannot even realize that things are changing and like until you have the benefit of hindsight like as much as I think that, for example, like separating Grace from Saeki was a mis- like a mistake for the the people who ordered it, uh, and I also still think it wasn't executed well in the show because it missed out on some great opportunities. Um, I don't think it was done entirely maliciously on their part. Now that is not an excuse; it is merely an explainer. Like they just thought, oh, she's just there. I'll just pop her in there. But that ignored, of course, her own agency, her own autonomy, uh, and that was even before they anyone knew that they were getting married and all that. So yeah. Also, one final thing I will. Sorry, one. Oh, I was gonna say, but like you, I mean, to to the point that you just said, like, I mean, there's the scene, the proposal scene, right? And and mm-hmm. he proposes to her, and she says, "Well, you know, is my mission to uh, take care of people and make people happy, and so if I could marry someone." uh and and make them happy like i'll do it and he kind of is like oh you're marrying me for the mission and that's what he's thinking mm. he kind of looks down and then she adds yeah. you know no it couldn't be anyone else it has to be you and of course that brightens him up but like i wanted to know why does it have to be him what's happening in her that like that makes that so that that preference that love uh mm-hmm. in human beings like manifests like in our brain like is it just i don't know is it just like a natural development for brain like what's going on there like why why can't it be anyone else why does it have to be him like yeah i'm so curious like i wanted i wanted more from the show about yeah. that i i feel like we could have because obviously going before jumping to marriage there would have been some like relationship element like and this is again is something i wish the show had done because what like what would it be like to date an android or an ai how would you how would that work like what would that look like um but we don't really see that we kind of jump from him like having this affection for this in of itself complicated and messy in Mm -hmm. in that it was something that's carried over from childhood um so now like what does all like how does this all flesh out it's such a fascinating like yeah. story that i wish was fleshed out into its mm-hmm. own thing and i understand and why it can't it... be in the in the show but yeah yeah how does it not contradict her mission you know what i mean i feel like there's really easy to demonstrate how like m- falling in love with someone and, and marrying them to the exclusion of all others like you know, she's not like if you're married to someone like you are by definition, like preferring them and giving them your time at the expense of giving other people your time. And so is she just going to be 
neglecting him always in favor of her mission to take care of the entire human race at the hospital or is she going to be like spending sufficient time with him therefore not giving 100 percent of her time to her mission caring for the whole you so, so like how does that like what is happening there like i really am so curious if you've never seen it, I would highly recommend you watch the uh, Whackin Phoenix film Her, which features Scott mm-hmm. Johansson, where he falls in love with his operating system. And there's an amazing conclusion to that that actually, in my opinion, challenges how we look at relationships, which is Scarlett Johansson's like operating system, like she reveals she's been cheating on him with something like 7,000 other people. Now, hold up, you might say. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot. You know, I mean, I certainly know I've known someone who's like, you know, blazed through that many people. But the thing is, she's an AI. She doesn't think like we do. She doesn't have the limited, yeah. like, you know, emotional or mental capacity. She can, in theory, provide, like, you know, a meaningful relationship to, um, you know, all those people simultaneously because she's possessed of that capacity. Mm-hmm. And indeed, there are people out there who are poly, you know, or who have open relationships. Um, and it therefore brings into question, like, you know, is a relationship something that's for some for a lot of people is just a very one-to-one kind of thing because they feel they only have the capacity for, you know, uh having um, you know, a meaningful one-to-one relationship. They don't kinda of like have more people than that in a romantic sense. Or is it because of certain inherent acts of self? Just like, how do we define like it challenges like the the standard constructs of relationships? And I can see that with Grace, where like she yeah. in theory, like, you know, doesn't need to sleep, for example. So you know, what if she went on the night shift while, and they, like, you know, how does, like, she provides, like, comfort to, like, say, someone else who might fall, like, how would she feel then about marriage? Like, you know, do they have, like, an open marriage? How is this? There's so much to be mined here, so much to be explored. And it's not the show's fault as such that it doesn't explore, because it has a very set structure. It wants to tell this as as its own, like, short story. Like, I feel like it's almost like an anthology, really. Um, Of connected stories with, (laughs) yeah, oh, God. Um, but yeah, I, God, it, it, there's so much here that I feel like could challenge like our notions of relationship that could explore through Grace as an, as an android, as an analogy for like non-conventional romance mm-hmm. like, and what that means. It could be almost similar, I'd say, even to maybe The Shape of Water in a sense, not the exact same story, but rather that's, that film was again about a non-conventional romance mm-hmm. between people who were very much not the, you know, 1950s nuclear family white <laughs> you know americana like you know standard um and uh, this also just makes me want to point out as well that there's something that doesn't really go addressed in great detail which is seki does still marry k5 or at least pretends to presents it to the world and like that in itself is interesting like what would it be like maintaining that facade like keeping up appearances like where it's a loveless relationship because it's not his actual wife it's not the one he wanted to marry yeah uh, but why is he doing why is he keeping up pretenses he never got to marry her before she was taken from him or maybe she did maybe they actually maybe they did maybe that opening episode five happened between them but it's not quite clear you yeah know, between but anyway anyway it's a shotgun there's a lot yeah <laughs> i feel like ta- he'd have had the shotgun and he'd use it to fend yes. off the people coming to get it um <laughs> But yeah, it, there's a fascinating cornucopia of ideas and questions and themes and things that can challenge like our understanding of relationships, romance, what it means to like care for other person, like the idea of us. I could go on for hours, uh, but the show can only have this as potential and a promise not quite kept, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, 
and that also again like i say is also why i feel disappointed that the removal of grace to become the metal floor like it doesn't make much sense to me to begin with because she's a fucking nurse she's not like a you know not like a factory operator or anything like that it seems a bit daft why not make a new ai specifically for the metal floor <laughs> but then again i think i think i think they mentioned that like they wanted they grace specifically because because she was like the champion of like ai like she was like the most kind hired one because like the well it's it's weird because it, yeah, what is their rationale? Because it can't be because she fell in love with and married a human because he literally just proposed to her <laughs> and then got the phone well, call. That's that's <laughs> that's the thing that bothers me because I feel like if they had made the act of I mean, I know I said it wasn't malicious before, like because of the idea of technology outrunning them. They they weren't aware. But mm-hmm. if they were and did it anyway, because they asserted their rights to her as property. Um, again, you could start like looking at how this story is analogous to like you know people discovering like you know what it means to have like a publicly accepted like queer romance, for example, mm-hmm. it could be coded that way, where it's not standard. You know, like you're falling in love with someone who's not human as we understand it, but there's no nonetheless still worthy of recognition of you know having that relationship be treated the same as any other. Like, there's so many missed opportunities by not tying these It needs two to be its together. own show. It just, yeah, this storyline really needs to be its own television show. There's it really too does. much. Although, although then it would be Bicentennial Man, but never mind. Um, so yeah, I, I really like what they did here, but I feel like it is ultimately under like it's, it's fertile ground that is never not explored because that's mm-hmm. the show's remit. I understand that. I can't criticize it for not giving me that because it never promised to do so. But there's so much here that it could do, and I'm but just like, bollocks. It opened the can. It it yep. did what Matsumoto did to Vivi in episode six. It opened the oh. lid. I mean, episode eight, rather, she says. You, you opened the lid uh, of the t- questions I've been taming down. This, this episode six really just like, hey, look at all these ideas. Nope, nope, don't look at them anymore. Nope. <laughs> don't, we gotta... Episode Keep it on 7 track. and 8 are, are guilty of that as well, unfortunately, but we'll get to that later. Um, right, shall we move on to the next set of questions? Um, I, yeah, yeah, those are good, good questions, Rackham. Uh, but yeah, let's move Thank on. Thank you. Okay, uh, so next question comes from Kate Rose. Uh, what do you think caused Vivi to freeze at the end of episode 6? Well, she's covered in the blood of uh, both a human and an android. Her goal, her mission was to make people happy for her singing. And yet there are two people who are now dead because of her actions. Now, you might say, of course, that Seiki committed suicide, and he did. But if you're looking at it from an android suspects, if you want to go root cause, if she hadn't involved herself at all, it wouldn't have happened. I don't blame her for him killing himself, of course. I, I absolutely don't. And say I wouldn't do it for anyone else, of course. But look at it from her perspective, pure logic. So, yeah, it, she, she crashed, she blew screen, she divided by zero, because right. she has done something completely contrary to her stated mission, which is to make people happy. I mean, the singing part is actually peripheral to this. Like, it's just a means mm. to making people happy. But she still can't do that because they're dead. So, and that's because she's caused that as well. And so, yeah, the blood on hands, you know, I mean, again, very Shakespearean, funnily enough. Very, very much so. Yep. Uh, the the blue blood and the red blood. Um, mm-hmm. her, uh, her own AI blood and, and human blood. Uh, yeah, I mean... You said it very well. It's like there was a big decision tree in her head about how to make people happy, and she's come to this fork in the road, and if she takes the left path, people are unhappy. Takes the right path, 
people are unhappy. What? <laughs> there's no, there's no way, there's no choice uh, that I can make that will lead unmitigatedly to human happiness. And like, yeah, I mean, there's just, she does blame herself and you could see easily how one could do that. But regardless of that, I mean, there's just this scene of like horrible human suffering happening in front of her. And it comes after she has like at, you know, great cost, like done a lot to try to ensure the future happiness of mankind as like a, or humankind as like an abstract entity, but like individually there's a concrete entity in front of her that's deeply, deeply unhappy. Um, and said like, you know, think of it like you think of your mission, you know, and, and singing like that to me was grace. And now grace is dead. Yeah. Grace, grace is, grace has long been lost as a concept. That's why that's the name. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I mean, it's just, and, and that, that massive contradiction brought on by his, his suicide, like, um, it, it just like, she has a, you know, it was very human, honestly, like a mental breakdown again, like the difference between <laughs> human having a nervous breakdown and this kind of this artificial intelligence having this emotional breakdown, um, because of this awful thing happening uh, and her not being able to understand why it happened. Like, Oh, I thought I did the right thing. And here we are. Like it's again, it's a very, very human kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what happened. Uh, yeah. Like, and it was, you know, I spoke about at the very top of the show at the powerful imagery in the episode and like the blood on her hands and kind of her look of like, why God, why um, before she collapses uh, covered in AI and human blood. Like, I mean, that's a very, very striking image. It is. Okay. Uh, next question from Kate, given the show's dueling missions between Diva and Matsumoto, uh, how do you see the show ending and what ultimately do you want the message to be? I want Vivi Diva's, well, in fact, we'll say Diva because there is a meaningful distinction between the two. Yes. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we need to be, we need to be clear on that. I want Diva's philosophy to win out, which is, she is approached all the time by questioning, like, she's questioned what is essentially um, events that are known to happen. Like, we know this thing causes this thing to happen. I, I've come from the future. I've shown you the evidence of it. I've even given you a concrete example. Where I've said this man will die in a minute and you saved him. So clearly I know what I'm talking about. I, you know, the future is set in stone. You must follow my instructions to the letter to save, you know, the future, to stop people from dying. But as we've learned, history that Matsumoto has is incomplete. It is piecemeal. It misses out key context, which also I should know is something that even he doesn't seem to realize. Like, he still is dead set in his ways, even though Vivi has proven to him many times over that the history is more complicated than he knows. Uh, and therefore, alternative like solutions are worth exploring mm-hmm. um and that's ultimately the philosophy i want to win out because it's true you know we we shouldn't be looking for the easy way out of let's kill this guy let's push this person in a locker let's throw this person out the airlock let's just cause harm to people because it might it might save you know it might save more people i mean it's essentially the equivalent of the hitler baby argument if you've ever heard of that right right uh for those who haven't uh the this is a philosophical dilemma. It goes something like mm-hmm. this. Um, 
let's say you find a car crash and let's say the car is a light and the driver uh, whoever they are they're definitely dead but there's a baby screaming in the back of that car that's on fire could explode anytime mm-hmm. and you feel compelled of course as i would hope most of us would unless we were terrified or scared of the fire which i wouldn't blame people for by the way but i'm talking in the sense of like you'd feel morally compelled to help you know you'd want to see that baby saved but then someone comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says no 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 how can you know this person won't turn out to be hitler how can you know that baby won't turn out to be a mass murderer a psychopath a pedophile you name it like pick any awful thing any horrific thing that a person can do over the course of their life any, any, like, you know, reprehensible thing a person can be. And, you know, that person will say, you can't know the consequence. You can't know for certain that they will not become, like, you know, a killer or something like that. Sure. Uh, so the question then is, with that, I mean, that is a possibility, one might argue. What do you then do? Do you let the baby die? Do you then tell people that it was the right thing to do because of the possibility they might have turned into a serial killer? Or God knows what else? The answer probably fairly obviously to me should be, well, no, you used to go and fucking save the kid. But that's the thing. Matsumoto's philosophy is, um, I can't know that your alternative like strategy will produce the results I desire. So I'm just going to go straight for the most obvious thing and just trample over other people's lives. Which, ironically, I should know, is also like, you know, he's wants to stop a war in which AI kill people by killing people. Mm-hmm uh right right and like yeah i mean he he sort of is is always looking at things from a very like utilitarian point of view the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few etc etc uh without really thinking too much about like the effect his uh his decisions will make farther down the line and like could like you said ultimately lead to kind of similar outcomes because because yeah he's just like you know like i said before he's like viewing this very propositionally like we have to flip this negative proposition to a positive one making very symptom like treating a lot of symptoms uh rather than you know vivi's like empathetic and more kind of rigorous problem solving approach let me ask you a a related question um because mm-hmm. because when you when you said something earlier it made me think of this do you think the protagonist and that we see beginning in episode seven is the same person as the protagonist we have seen in episodes one through six no uh, i don't think so and that's just simply by virtue of the event that's the massive events at the end of episode six that's changed them. Like when we get to the end of episode nine, I fully expect uh, Vivi to get her memories back. Cause again, for context, we skip ahead like some time and Vivi doesn't remember, or rather Diva doesn't remember anything of her time as Vivi. Like her program has essentially repressed that memory. And she's also got a lot more confident. Like she, like if it weren't for the glowing AI thing, you'd think that she, and some talk of it, you'd think she was an actual like flesh and blood human. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, You know, like at least in terms of like personality um she's confident she's got like her little finger clicking you know um what do you call it like her behavior that she does like it's just like, yeah yeah the snaps yeah, it's just that <laughs> she she she's she's openly sassy to matsumoto when he returns into the picture 
Um, but what I think what I think will happen is when she gets her memory back, she won't return to the way she was, but rather it will be like a fusion of these two person like right. personalities. Because the thing is, like, mm-hmm. it, depending on how you view uh, the way people change, I think it's fair to call Vivia person in this sense. Yes. Like, oh yes. I think it's fair to say that you are a different person after a traumatic event. Um, the thing to note, of course, is degrees of difference because I'd still say you're the same being, but that you've changed as a result. You've, you know, oh, you've got, you've got a, you've got yeah. Points. No, I, I think. Well, I think that you're. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I guess, like, so I was asking, not to think along that track, but just in terms of an AI being rebooted. You know, we've just been treated to this story of uh, grace as a soul, you know, as a data set uh, is irreplaceable. And here we have VV uh, being, or Diva rather, being rebooted. And those memories are not present i mean we don't really know at this point so i mean do you think it's fair to say then that it's almost like that she do you think it's unfair to say that the character in episode seven is the k5 to the grace that is in episodes one through six um because i i'll just spoil it I, i don't because i think that like while it may be tempting to say that I think that the, I don't think that she has, I don't think her soul has been wiped. I think it's just been, that data has been suppressed, but it's still there. So who she was, you know, if you, if you were talking about souls as data sets is, is there and it's been built upon and around. And, and like you said, um, there's still, it's still leaking out into this new iteration of her, like her mannerisms and her. She's got the same mission, uh, more confident, different attitude, but but like you said, it, it, but still, it's interesting because it is like she's she's behaving like a new person in some way. So it really will, I think, I think you're dead on. It will seem like a fusion of two two persons, or maybe just two aspects of a personality. It'll seem like two beings coming together, like the old yeah. her. And then this newfound kind of confident attitude will come together and be one. Um, I just thought that was an interesting thing to think about. It is. Uh, one thing I'll add to that as well that's really almost tragic is if you think about it, Vivi has now achieved like the apotheosis of what she wanted all along. She wants to be on the main stage, to be selling mm-hmm. out to audiences, to be successful, to connect with people, you know. Um, she's made it. But she's only made it I would argue, or at least in some way, because her memories of the singularity projects, everything she did are now gone. Like this thing that's this duty that's been thrust upon her by Matsumoto has actively otherwise impeded in some way, or at least slowed down her, you know, career, her ambition, her goal. Hmm. Um, And now that she's been free of it, free of those memories, um, you know, she's successful. She's, a legend the biggest star of the world yep. um yeah i i'm well wasn't her career taking off in the first six episodes though like wasn't she starting to it grow was, it was getting there mm-hmm. um 
But I think it, but whatever happened, also, it, she's now the biggest pop star on earth by yeah. episode seven. Can't deny and that. That's, and I think also we need to note, of course, the drastic change in her personality between episode yep. uh, six and then seven. Like that's a part of it as well. It's not just like, because um, obviously, like I mean, you can be successful, but you can still be burdened, like with what happens off stage. Mm-hmm. You know, she was still worried about the Singing Eyes project, even to the point where she was checking for viruses, Vatsamoso's right. involvement and all that. Yeah. And then we see in like episode uh, seven when she's doing her yoga workout. I think I did not expect an Android to I know. do. <laughs> I know but, the stretching. <laughs> but 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 anyway, beside the point. Um, like you know, she's not concerned about that anymore. Like, not only is she successful, she gets to relish it, which I think is a key difference. Yeah. That's good, and good for her, you know? I'm happy. She's been Mm. through some shit. (laughs) So. She has. It was nice to see her, like... Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad that you know that she's suppressing all of it, and that's all still there, but it is good to see her have some good times and good experiences. Indeed. Okay, so what... Did you get to fully answer question two? Uh, which was from Kate about the. I I, I mean to sum up I I want I want Vivi's uh, philosophy of challenging established history, taking risks, to be the one the show approves of by having her they be the way that they succeed, hmm. because Matsumoto's philosophy is one of safety, one of you know absolute necessity, you know. Again, mm-hmm. essentialism. I think it was called. What was it? Was that why I was describing? Oh, it? so uh, well, the whole like uh, the uh, totally needs of the many, like uh, yeah. moral calculation, utilitarianism. Utilitarianism. That's yeah. the one. Thank you. Yeah, because um, mm-hmm. yeah, that because by that count, like you know, if you know, I could say, well, there are so many hungry people in the world. Uh, why don't we kill like millions of people, and that way, less people will be hungry. You know, it is. It is There'll a be more philosophy. food to go around. Yeah, it is. It is a philosophy that is, in my opinion, opposed to ethical and moral consideration because it's just based on pure logic. It's purely a quantitative like way of looking at things. And as we've seen, Matsumoto has just been very willing to just have people killed, you know, uh, just to or take the short way out. Like, oh, Ophelia's going to kill herself. We'll put her in a box. It's fine. Whatever. No strainer. Yeah. But we don't. But we don't actually consider the reasoning why. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't stop that. And then of course, like, you know, we saw with the Sunrise Hotel. Oh, we just we just take out Elizabeth. Like, it's not even the fact that, like, you know, it's the wrong person. It's mm-hmm. the fact that, hey, why don't we just, like, look into this a bit more, you know? Uh, it's, it's almost a form, I would argue, of anti-intellectualism that he is proposing here. Which is, I know how things turn out. I have a view of history that is factual and accurate, which it is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore there is to be no debate about this yeah it's uh, not the usual time travel like hesitancy he's not saying like don't do too much because we don't want to change history too much it's not any of that it's like you said like he it's just totally to do with the way he yeah. thinks about the situation from a like goal oriented perspective yeah he he favors simple solutions simplistic as the crow flies answers to the problems that he's whoever's programs that believes like are the turning points, the, uh, you know, the fulcrum moments in history. Right. Whereas Vivi favors a more complex approach. Um, and I am very much of the opinion that one should always favor complexity over simplicity when it comes to making difficult mm-hmm. decisions about the future. Like 
I mean, simplicity is all well and good. Like, you know, if you want to just get yourself like something to eat or something, I'm not saying you should spend hours talking, <laughs> looking over a fucking menu. But when it comes to like decisions that affect the lives of others, of course you've got to fucking think about it. So yeah, yeah, Con- that, context being important, right? That's that's um, ultimately why I want the show to favor in the end. Well, it's, you know, from his point of view, it's like a monumental waste of time to concern yourself with like the well-being and kind of the complications of one or two individuals when you're worried about like the whole of humanity, present and future. Um, So, yeah, he really does see everything quantitatively in terms of numbers. And that's, you know, there's like nuanced forms of utilitarianism out there that would like, like bristle at the notion of like killing, you know, uh, mass killing a a small group of people so that the larger group of people could be better off. Um, But still at the end of the day, like I, I don't favor looking at human beings in a purely quantitative way as, as a number in a kind of happiness calculator. Um, I mean, that to me has just always felt kind of gross. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm always going to come down on the other side of this thing and yep. love uh, the way that Diva approaches things. And I think what I want the message to be of the show, um, I want them to continue kind of uh, driving home that, you know, artificial intelligence, as imagined in this fiction, and you know, which which could be could be realized in the future, I suppose. Um, the distinctions between AI and humans are more minimal than we think, and mm-hmm. we should start thinking about um, what that means for the way that we develop AI and treat AI and that they should be, um, you know, given rights uh, if they were to emerge in the way that they are in in Vivi here. Um, And that, you know, that other beings kind of being more or less human is okay, that we shouldn't feel threatened by that. And like... You know, in you know, you mentioned the whole a- angle of the grace story that wasn't explored, like kind of mirroring, um, mirroring or, or reflecting or saying something about uh, non traditional forms of love. Well, in, in a way, like the, the whole show is kind of getting at, and, and I wanted to keep getting at the fact that, like, people like Toke are so reticent to, like, include in their definition of, of human being and beings that deserve love and respect and rights, like unfamiliar kinds of beings. And there's been points in history where like it wasn't AI that were excluded. It was other human beings of different colors, different forms of love, different, you know, and so all this. And so like, I, I want the show to be saying like, we should be inclusive of those things and extend um, those human dignities to to beings that are different from us, and that's okay. That can be that yeah. can be okay and I, should be okay. I absolutely agree with you, but I do think the show flubs this a little bit because, for one, in the Grace episodes, uh, the 
marriage being interrupted by her being taken away by the metal flow those two events are not the consequence of each other as rather what i mean to say right, uh, right, right. the people the people who the people who take her away from the metal flow don't even know they about don't know. marriage and i really wish they had mm-hmm. even though i said before like it was that thing that you know use technology goes so fast suddenly you've got like you know pe- like ai with agency and all that and they were they weren't aware and that being said, that's inferior, in my opinion, to the story that could have been there, where they did know, but then they still asserted, through one means or another, that their right to use her as the core for the uh, metal float trumped his and her rights to, you know, a life of fr- of freedom and love and, you know, um, all that. That the, These events happening independently of each other... To the point where you know they don't know is a complete missed opportunity in my opinion. I don't feel. I mean, as much as we say like we wish that story mm. had more like episodes to it, you could still have changed what happened in here just to address that very briefly in um, Seki's flashback, and then it would have perfectly aligned with what you said, where you know people in history and indeed even today still mm-hmm. in for some places of the world and some other like form or another are not allowed to be with the person they want to be, to marry the person they want to be, to, like, to be with, to do to basically live the equivalent, uh, you know, freedoms uh, yeah. of love and uh, of love and relationships as people like me enjoy, you know? Right. Um, so, complete missed opportunity. Um, and this also is funny enough my criticism of the episodes that we've seen of Ophelia, because we learn at the end that Ophelia no longer exists. She's been replaced by Antonio. Um, mm. But... Is that not infinitely less interesting than if it was Ophelia and she was legitimately considering suicide? I know I said in the Dinozenon pod that I was like, oh God, not more suicide. <laughs> not another, Jesus. yeah, right. right, but, right. but that is that is itself still an interesting question. Like, you know, because it follows on from the whole idea of like what it means to create AI, birth this kind of life into the world and how we then shape it. How we, you know, like give it the freedoms because i mean you could then argue even and i know that this is not something i necessarily agree but like if you want ai to be free then maybe grace should be allowed to kill herself if she felt so now don't misunderstand me people listening at home i'm not saying that that would be a good thing but we have to accept what the consequences of true free will and true freedom is that people can make that decision for themselves um and that you know ultimately this is also why i think that i'm in agreement with euthanasia for example because you know for some people like you know the pain of living is too much it is a tragedy it should never be allowed to get to that point but i'm not saying that like you know you stop people from ultimately doing because you know suicide has been made illegal in countries in the past Mm -hmm. do you want to know how much of an effect that had none (laughs) zero jack diddly jack diddly fuck squiddly fuck bollocks all what a Not the a most ineffectual like I can't think of a more ineffectual law like this act that you commit by which you like you know the consequences for you in this life will never be faced like we're gonna make that yeah. illegal okay <laughs> but, but this is so stupid yeah. um, how how dumb. do you plead silence yeah yeah very N- dumb. nice one. Yeah, but um, that's that's the thing, like, because it would tie into the idea of, like, you know, what Grace, sorry, uh, what Ophelia as yeah. an android is allowed to do. Like, do we give androids full freedom, you know, to self-determine, including to the point where they may wish to take their own lives? 
And again, I'm not saying right. I am. I am not saying that that would be a good thing in the sense of like someone taking their own life. But rather, again, we have to accept that the yeah. thing about free will is it comes with that as a sure as a possibility. But since Antonio is in Ophelia's body, it's just a much simpler, much less interesting story to me. And that's Matsumoto, a shape. Matsumoto don't care about freedom. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's impinging on. He's been impinging on freedom the whole time like it doesn't matter your freedom is compared to the you know my the directive i've been given to extend the life of the human race is inconsequential um but no that is interesting i guess the only thing i would say because i do agree with you it's the only thing i would say is like we don't unless this has been fully spoiled in the episode preview we don't fully know to what extent what she's saying right now is true or real Mm -hmm. she could be kind of under attack and fighting off antonio and there still be some part of her in there she could just be lying i mean it's it's hard to say uh because like you said it's an incomplete story so that that ties into the ophelia of the uh of hamlet though again where i said that the distinction is was it suicide or madness and you might say that suicide can be caused by madness but obviously there's a distinction between rational thinking and and insanity and well if you've got two ais inhabiting the same body and what they're a fighter i'd call that insanity yeah i mean antonio was crazy enough to take over ophelia's body or attempt to there's something very wrong there let's put it that way yeah but i mean yeah and even even if you know whatever shakes out right if if uh any of those scenarios i posed happen to be true in some ways, I agree with you. It would have been. I think it, it 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 is sad that we don't get to see, you know, uh, a story about what it was on its face about, which is you know, yeah. suicide of artificial intelligence. I mean, and maybe I don't know. Maybe that was just maybe that part of it is like the AI as they have conceived it is incapable of that because like you know like i mentioned before like it it seems to me one of the big differences between ai and humans is that they just never give up they never uh slack off on their mission they never become aimless um Mm -hmm. and so just trying to conceive of an ai that would take its own life I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe the idea is just so absurd to like how they. Maybe just doesn't fit their their world they've created. So they couldn't. Mm. They couldn't do it. Yeah, I can see an alternative version of this story though, like where in the original history that Matsumoto speaks of, um, Ophelia did take her own life, but did so like in a way where like she was restricted from doing something, like the, and then it was an undignified death, shall we say, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Whereas in this timeline, like, you know, there are, like, again, to go back to the idea of Measure of a Man from Next Generation, there is a courtroom discussion about it, you know. We have the full, like, interesting legal argument, like, which discusses the free will, the rights of androids, like, and the complexity, the the enormity of this issue. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting, but this appropriate enough is also the end of the patron questions leading to talk about this is also going to be one of my main criticisms of this show and i kind of elaborated on this previously when i talked about the idea of the fight between matsumoto and vivi at the end of episode two which is why are they having a physical fight when they're ais 
and given that Vivi spoke frequently of, you know, fear of being infected by a virus or a digital attack, this does not feel congruent to me. Mm. Um, there are many visual elements of these episodes that, while impressive or even shocking in their own right, feel very constrained by a sense of physicality as if, though, they are still thinking these are actual people, human people, rather than um, AIs and what that could potentially be done with creatively. So, by example... Um, in episode six, there's that ama- admittedly amazing ending action sequence of Vivi piloting the Matsumoto bike, uh, you know, the hover bike. Let's uh, blow this thing like... and go home. It looked like a lot like a Tron Legacy to me, actually. With oh, all the okay. colors. Yeah. I was thinking just like um, tiny ship piloting through constrained space will always make me think of the dumb X-Wing. It re- yeah, a, a really great looking scene, by the way, especially the mm-hmm. bit where like Matsumoto flies directly up the, against the tower and like you see the light shining upwards as, as Vivi ascends mm-hmm. and then all the like droids, the, the androids like falling like from it. Yeah, um, like missiles being released. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that got me about this and this might seem pedantic is why does Matsumoto need to have like you know handlebars why can Vivi just not communicate with him to accelerate it's based on that kind of physicality that we would have driving a motorbike because it's cool (laughs) it's spectacle and it's neat (laughs) yes but that's the problem though like this is the show like where I think and this is me because I prefer this like I feel like there's so much like possibilities if it were were a book you know I I could see it but like you know, it being animation, I don't know that like, um, there's something inherently appealing about you know movement, motion, action, kinesis. So mm-hmm. maybe it's like that. That's the thinking. Like we want well, to the- add those those physical elements because we don't want the show sort of taking place totally in a. You know, but I guess they could animate, like you were saying, an abstract world or whatever. But like, the, well, I, it's I physical. Mean, but this was this scene that was taking place in the physical environment. Sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. Uh, but, but I mean, like that actual idea of them driving the bike up the tower, you could literally transplant that into a digital world, and then I'd be actually okay with it because it would be a digital representation. It would make sense for an AI to like do that, perhaps. But I mean, that's a lot of the show, though. Like that, it's all presents in a way that feels constrained by. I'm not going to say an uncreative uh, mind, but rather a mind too unwittingly focused on making it play out like regular, like human physical world action when there's the, so much more. That, I mean, again, that ties with my other complaints, which is you could do so much more with this. Other, I can point to other things. Why again do we see like the viewpoint of the AI? Because again, it's a, conven- a visual convention for us for a viewpoint, but it doesn't make any sense in the otherwise for AIs to have a UI, you know, because... W- how would that look sure um on top of that grace's body being in the core i actually really wish that her body was not there because to me it's just a convenient place for vivi to punch to like take her out but i feel like again it's genova no (laughs) oh god it really is actually Uh, but i feel like it's missing uh an opportunity here where what if it was just like this really ugly gray sphere thing that she's attached to? Just take hmm. her body's not there. Why Why is that the case? It's again a visual shorthand for where like the weak spot that she needs to punch, but it just feels uncreative to me. It feels like, uh, you know, they could have done more with that where Grace is now like so removed from being the person she was that she's just in this like big gray sphere thing. Hmm. 
Um, we've talked about this last week. I mean, and I, I think I still like, um, um, we'll just, you know, say what I said last week, which is that like, I think there is, uh, a, a degree of detachment from humanity that they, they don't want to push that to the nth degree because the show is narratively so much about how human these AI are that I think they want to make everything as relatable to being a human being as possible. Um, and, and also there's the bit about it, like I said, it being animation. Um, and it just, it felt the fact that it was Grace's body and not something else like made the scene hit harder emotionally. Like it could have been something else, but like, um, but to me, like, I felt like it would have lost a little bit of its punch, uh, had it been like, you know, something uh, like a like a sphere with the word grace written on it or something like that. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't have have felt it as much, I guess, uh, as seeing like her kind of what would appear to be like her physically smiling when she was you know, I will finally shut this. down. I will give them this. They did something that Dinah Zenon did, actually, uh, where a, a little drop of her blue blood like comes down her eye mm-hmm. as a tear. Yes. I know now why you cry. But it's something I can actually do via visual, via symbolism. <laughs> right, right, and uh, and um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I have to think that that's it because we don't want to be uncharitable and say like, well, they're just too dumb to think of these things. Oh, no, no, we no. don't want to say that. And I know you're not saying that. So so that option is out. I think the production looks so good. I mean, it's like, I I don't think it's a question of uh, time, resources, or budget. So I think it's like a creative decision. So work backwards from that. Like, why would they, why would they do that? Like, what's the rationale behind them doing that creatively? And, um, and I just go back to what I said uh, a, a minute ago and, that that it's because it's cool animation spectacle stuff um for you know wider audience and also narratively it like it's uh them kind of putting ais and humans on a in a similar space um Mm. you know and not having them be just super duper other despite the fact that they are different from us they're not just like these total different cold detached beings that are always frolicking about in the digital world. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could still have the physical set pieces I mentioned, but I just wish that they, there weren't quite as more. many concessions made concessions made to visual shorthand to make it so. Cause again, like I, when we get to stuff like, I, I mean, I've said like about AI being a well-worn uh, sci-fi trope and that is true. Mm-hmm. So, I want to start seeing, like, material that covers this stuff, challenging it, where, you know, there is, like, you know, the non-verbal communication between AI and, uh, over, between AI and other AI. And there is that in this show, of course, like, when they have, like, the inner monologue stuff. But I want it to be more creative than that. I don't want to, like, have everything be, um, done as, like, how should we say, like, visual shorthand, like, to, or shortcuts. I mean, to go back to, of all things, to say, like, again, about the Terminator franchise... Why on earth did the Terminators even have, like, you know, 
no weapons built into them. And I'm sure people come with all the law reasons they want. Well, I'm willing to accept that because that was the product of its time. But like, we're now in 2021 and we have a much more like rich digital world around us. I, I just think to myself, like you, I, I like the show's creativity. I like the set pieces, but I just wish there weren't so many little things in it that made me realize that it is, as you say, spectacle. And I'm okay with spectacle sometimes, but this could be such a yeah. imaginative, rich uh, sci-fi story that is yeah. about um, AI. And I'm like, what? Like, because the problem is, like, I know what you mean. It feel it feels like they're too anthropomorphized. And I know that that's kind of part of the point of this. But I still think it would be possible and even interesting to have a story where they're not quite like us in terms of how they look, how they're presented, uh, how they interact, and still have an emotional connection. But mm-hmm. I mean, again, the other problem I have is that the, again, like Grace is the big weak point, is a symbolic of like they want to have actionists, but the action is often not necessarily about intercharacter drama. I mean, the closest we kind of got to that, I suppose, was uh, Elizabeth, which was two AIs, like, fighting each other. But again, why did that have to be physical? I feel like it would have been more interesting and more imaginative if it was a digital fight. If they had um, stands. You would, if, yeah, you know. And, and you say, like, you know, that you you want it to be, like, you know, relatable scenes. You can still have them appear in a human form, like Vivi does in the archive, mm-hmm. when they're having their fight. It can still look like that, but it can be more imaginative. We can have, like, you know, really crazy stuff. Like, imagine if she fought Matsumoto and he just made a cubes and he attacked him. She attacked, he attacked her with, like, a cube, like, system Fist. or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you could, yeah. Like a swarm of bats, something. Like, you could do something yeah. really crazy. But I hear you. As opposed to. As opposed to what we got in episode two, which was he just froze her around and like that's with a with, all with a crane or something, right? Yeah, like, uh, it does. Yeah. It doesn't. It it does not mesh at all with her uh, her actual fears of being like digitally like assaulted. Although, as again, as I say, like I appreciate the reverse on how she's now a toy swimming art. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally see your I see where you're coming from. I mean, it it does make this make it feel kind of dated in some ways, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Um, I be, mean, because that, it, like there's no kind of like AI are developing in the timeline, but like, you know, we're in the far future. Like, are uh, human beings? Is there no sort of like AI are becoming like us? But is there no way that we're also becoming like them in this future? Like, it seems like we are kind of the same as always, just kind of relying on AI. Whereas like other sci-fi stories, you know, like Ghost in the Shell, like human beings have become cybernetic and digitized and everything like that. I mean, maybe it's not far enough in the future, but like. I don't know. Like, uh, we seem we do seem to be far in the future, far enough for there to be very like personable, like empathetic AI. So, like, it's weird to me how humans are just sort of the same as they were in like, you know, I don't know, the early aughts or something. Uh, in in this show, um, mm. that which that's an interesting. I hadn't thought about that before, but but you're right that it that it does seem uh, that the lack of what you say, if you think about it is, uh, you know, another way in which the show, like, you know, maybe doesn't totally like fulfill all the promise that doesn't break the mold that it's uh, that it might've had. I mean, to go back to the matrix, which I mentioned before, um, 
you know, they are in a digital world and they're still having these incredible fight scenes, but the fight scenes are actually relevant to the characters. Like Neo's journey in the... I mean, I'm just going to talk about The Matrix the first word. Fuck the sequels. Don't care about them. Um, But like in the first film, uh, you know, the reason that he's able to fight Agent Smith in the end is because he goes through like the classic hero's journey. And that justifies all the amazing like stuff he does in that fight. You know, how spectacular it's because he's finally breaking the rules he doesn't believe in the rules of the digital world anymore uh and then you can even make a point about how smith and the agents are portrayed as humans because the machines can't quite get past the anthropomorphism like that turns the anthropomorphism into a story point rather than it just being again visual shorthand because it's what everyone's used to um there is possibility for fights in a digital world to be creative interesting and flashy and again the Wachowskis, like, for as amazing those fights were, they still weren't, like, incredibly out there. They were just kung fu. You know, they weren't, like, trying to throw fireballs or anything at them, although I'm sure that Neo could probably do that by the end of the first film. But, yeah, like, I just think that, like with what I said before about Grace um, and, you know, the analogy between her and Serki's marriage and, like, you know, non-standard romance, non-conventional romance, actually, is probably the more apt turn here. Um, and particularly how that would be amazing to explore from like you know being a frontier of romance like you know this is uncharted water uncharted waters what would that mean for humanity what would that mean for relationships and then of course ophelia oh it turns out she's not actually committed suicide antonio's taken over a point but what would it mean for an ai to commit suicide would we allow that would we give them the free will would like you know granting them free will in general like we'd have to come with all the consequences of that including allow them to take their own life like it feels to me like this show is on the cusp of covering so many amazing things that mm-hmm. I think would literally make it up there with stuff like Flowers for Algernon. Like that's how that's how like much potential I think mm-hmm. this material has. I don't say that lightly. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like I feel like it's constrained by a sense of conventionality that really limits its and um, like its intellectual ambition. And also I think it's gonna be its staying power. Like, I think it's still a, a great that we get this kind of show to begin with. Mm-hmm. You said it was a prestige sci-fi show, and you're absolutely right. We don't get this sort of stuff really anymore. Like it's not like the closest we get to it, like, you know, being something that would sell well is the music element of it. But even mm-hmm. then it's not like, right. you know, it's not which like, you know, good. say a Macross, which is like about idol groups. Like because yeah. one thing that I think Gwyn Campbell noted once about Macross was that it changes with the times to reflect mm-hmm. like the trends. Yes. Um, so like, you know, while Curie eventually were with the rise, of, I reckon if we get a new Macross, we'll probably have like, you know, VTubers. V- <laughs> yeah, you knew it. You knew <laughs> it. Uh, but the thing is like, Vivi does not, as a character, does not like map onto any current music trend in Japan that I'm aware of. Um, you know, so. Not cutting edge, I think that, you know, it seems very conventional, no. like you said. Yeah. So I, I'm still glad that we get this kind of show. I'm glad that we've been allowed to have it. And I, I, I applaud its ambition and it's like story structure in particular, how we've got these like stories that are two episodes or three episodes long that are really interesting and bright and arguably deserve their own series. Um, but it just doesn't go far enough. Yeah, it's like... Sorry, my, I'm, my standards are too high. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think that's the case. Because I, 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 I agree with you. I mean, I think... There's nothing wrong with a show being solid as fuck. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. But but not being like uh, breaking the mold is is an expression you use because it doesn't seem like the show's gonna gonna really do that. I mean, we still have episodes to go, but um, but yeah, I think that that is 
that is what the show is, is like a very competent, very well-made, deftly exploring questions that have already been asked. Um, but like just getting up to the edge of like some, some really just man, things that you want it to like really just sink its teeth into, but like, it doesn't really have time for that. Um, and I, did, I mean, I, I think it is the things it does say are worthwhile, you know, but like staying power is a really very good point that you brought up an interesting thing you mentioned. Cause like, cause yeah, I don't know if this show will have that because it's not, um, I don't know. It's just not blowing your doors off with, with the science fiction element when mm-hmm. it's all, but, but it's all right there. <laughs> all the ingredients for it to blow the doors off are there. Um, yeah. Cause like, I mean, as much as I said earlier that like the, I tried to give them a pass for, for AI suicide. Cause it's like, maybe that's just, you know, like God building a rock too heavy for him to lift. It's just a paradoxical thing that like doesn't make sense when you conceive of AI the way that you did. But actually, I mean, in the episode itself, I think Matsumoto gives a very coherent theory of why she would want to commit suicide because of like mission slippage where like you start off with this really broad mission and objective in an AI and like it becomes crystallized and concrete in an individual maybe. And then when that individual goes away, you have this supremely detrimental effect on the brain. And uh, so I, I think it would totally be plausible. And yeah, it is a shame that we don't get to explore that idea. Mm-hmm. I... But I mean, it's it's cool when Vivi just like, you know, goes full combat mode and oh it's, it's still cool good. it's great yeah it's fun it's it, a fun it, time yeah it's i mean if i wanted to compare it to another prestige sci-fi we've in fact no, you already know you can complete the rest of my statement in my head in your head i don't know, know. I, don't, sure. I don't know what, oh, come. what are you gonna oh, say come another on. prestige sci-fi that we've seen in the past that we've talked about on this podcast you know which one it is that we covered if i mean i'm asking you the question so what's the Man, no, 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 no. This is way better than that. I, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. That was just, frustrating. That was that was frustrating because it also had promise of talking about stuff, but Vivi is still infinitely superior. Yeah. Because it at least has a coherent, progressive message to it, which is, hey, uh, you know, we're bringing life into the world by creating these AI, which we might not be too far away from in the future. We've got to carefully consider how we do that. Uh, and it doesn't look like totally- utter garbage. <laughs> Yeah, what what yeah. what Kato looks like some of the time, <laughs> just straight trash. Yeah, and and the thing is though as well, like I I think they could be executing on that message better, but it is still providing a message. And I mean, I admit yep. my bias and agree with that over the bullshit of Kato, which was basically again another kind of conservative anti-electoral bollocks, which is technology like the technology is bad because the person who gave it to us is bad. Fuck you. That doesn't so make stupid. any like that. That makes no fucking sense. Man, but anyway, I hated um, it so much. I, yeah. Anyway, I don't actually have any more talking points. I've gone for everything for, as a result of all our questions and all that. Mm-hmm. I just... Uh, I, I'm curious to see what happens next with uh, episode 9. Because um, we have two parallel stories, believe it or not, of a blast from the past here. Um, all I can still smile to you how Hugo's managed to go through his fountain of youth shit, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll discuss that in due course. Okay. Well, interesting. I, I was wondering how they were going to do this with her, him becoming old, but... He's managed to I was, travel through time. I, 
I wanted to, I wanted to believe he would turn into some sort of like Rush Limbaugh, like <laughs> ultra old podcast guy, where he's just constantly yelling about how AI Jesus. turned you like, you know, soft and weak. Yes. Like, men like it's gonna be like that sit skit from Futurama where, you know, like, where are all the football stars? They're all trapped in the vices of like, you know, of robot yeah. sex. <laughs> like God. it's gonna I, I just I just wanted to believe he would just be there like bitching on a podcast. I know. Like the guy, like all the men, all like all the men of these say, they're all pussies. A lot of them, <laughs> like fucking left wing nonsense, shagging <laughs> robots all the fucking robots all day, not doing what I did. What is the thing about the gay frogs, the Alex oh, Jones God. thing? Oh <laughs> God! Yeah, it, it would. He would basically be an anti AI Alex Jones. Yes, you know. Yes. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna claim, it's gonna claim that robots like pee in like rivers and stuff like that, and it turns like. It allows people to scan your brain. Diva is making us gay. <laughs> <laughs> Such a pretty wild voice, that guy. I um, wouldn't call him that. I'd be, you're too charitable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, charitable. anyway, yeah, um, but I'm, all, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all done talking points. Okay. Uh, well, just a couple things. I mean, we talked about the cube speeder already, so I don't have to talk about that. Uh, well, I, I alluded to this already, but like, I do think it's interesting to bring up and I want to ask you if you think it's happening in the show. Um, Do you think like that mission slippage, as I called it before, is a thing like, like uh, the kind of subtle changes in development over an AI's life of how they interpret their mission. Do you, do you think we've been shown that concretely in the show? Um, I think the, I think the actual thing is that, Vivi's mission was just simply to make people happy with singing. And again, it's that broad interpretation. You, I mean, this was like, again, Asimov and his three laws, um, mm-hmm. which is what latitude does a, a machine of logic have to operate within these constraints that we put on it in order to achieve mm-hmm. its goals. And it ties into the whole idea I said about how when we create AI, what restraints do we put on it? What do we not put on it? You know, and like how do we we have to put a lot of consideration and thought into this and so i think as an inevitable function of it i mean we've seen this in the end of even of episode uh, eight when hugo's piano teacher robot which was definitely in the past as well the earlier generation was yeah, with the fakey yeah. with the fakey crash dummy face yeah. uh, ironic given what happened actually funnily enough oh <laughs> yeah sad. uh where he has the same idea as Vivi, which is, I need to play piano and make people happy with that. These people are, you know, about to die from this car crash. I must go save them, because presumably they will listen to my piano. Um, bit diff- I mean, that'd be interesting if only because, like, how you would tell him apart from the rest of his uh, fellows at that point would be a bit awkward, but mm-hmm. unfortunately of course, he dies in an explosion. Um, so... I think I think mission slippage is very much a consistent idea of the show because it's again saying, hey, you know, we made these AIs, we have this particular rule system in place for them. Mm-hmm. Have we adequately considered the consequences of that? And this yeah. again is why I said, jokingly though I may, about how someone might have given the AIs of like the future that Matt Smoke comes from, the idea of, well, you know, everyone will be happy when they're dead because there's no more suffering. Right. Like joke I Joke mean, as I may about that, that's still a possibility. That exactly. So this is exactly what I was going to say. Is that, and I wasn't even thinking about Diva. I was thinking about Grace and Ophelia. How like sort of missions that begin very broadly, um, kind of evolve to being like 
uh, encapsulated by or like having a first priority of like one person, Antonio and Doctor Psyche. Elizabeth as well, actually, because you oh, remember yeah. that she, yeah, because because she she played the semantics card, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you go, my master is what I consider to be humanity. Right. That's the only person this label applies to. So totally. it's not a violation of her, you know, mission to start murdering people. Which or other that right or there, that is the most that that's the most that's the big cheat. <laughs> That is like yeah. really uh, messing around with the rules on on the part of an AI. There, I didn't even think about that, but but yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like that the whole like iRobot situation, the based on the movie iRobot, by the way, is still in play because um, because yeah, we've seen these the missions evolve, and humanity only just realizes it. Uh, in grace like they they see um how did they put it uh once they realized that she loved the doctor and was going to marry him they were like wait a minute hang on we've done one ai one concrete mission but like it seems like this one the mission has evolved and become become almost two different missions so like what's happened like we could use them for different things and and yeah i mean there's still it still seems to me that it is a distinct possibility that there's some robot some ai rather that it's going to come along and think to themselves my mission is to make everyone happy but the way that humans are governing themselves is going to lead to suffering. They're not, they don't know how to make themselves happy. Only we can make them happy. So we need to subjugate them. Um, Mm -hmm. That whole, that kind of thing. Um, So yeah, I guess it's still on the table, right? Because of, and I I just talked myself into it being a possibility because of this whole slippage idea, this, the, the evolving nature of the, the AI's missions as they kind of live their lives and encounter other individual humans. So yep. that's super interesting, and we'll see. Um, yeah, I, otherwise, one, I don't have any other points. But go ahead. One one follow-up thing I'll say to what you just said there is um, we also have to remember that in both, like, the Isaac Asimov novels and also, you know, in Vivi's case, the idea of the free laws or by submissions, they are human mm-hmm. creations. We devised these rules. They're not like the laws of the universe, like gravity, <laughs> you know, where all robots created whoever makes them must follow these we designed them and so therefore we have to consider when creating them and this is again the key thing that vivi gets and why it sits <clears> along <throat> asimov's work as a complementary like text is <clears throat> we dictate the rules of how ai operate and we do so with the best of intentions like make people happy but the rules are broad. The rules are nebulous. The rules are open to interpretation. Humanity, as a concept in that rule, is open to interpretation as we yeah. see with Elizabeth. You know? So, yeah. it again, is back to that thing again, which is, we are essentially bringing life into the world. It's not in a conventional, like, you know, someone's got pregnant kind of way. It is a different way, but it demands no less of a, you know, long um, thinking, like a long... Uh, process of thinking and evaluating how best to bring it into this world where it is allowed to live freely but ultimately also won't turn on us because that's still a reasonable concern i would argue Mm -hmm. but also then you have to consider that it can turn on us 
because of the hubris we have in giving it these rules you know mm-hmm. where i mean like i said you said and i said hey if everyone's dead then of course they'll be happy because <laughs> there'll be no suffering or they get subjugated as you say you know this kind yeah. of thing it's it's really mm-hmm. interesting because yeah 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 because and you put it well i mean we're when in the fiction of vivi like ais are created life is created they're not just building a machine you know it's mm-hmm. It can act independently, uh, not outside of its mission, but to interpret how to best fulfill it. Like there's still that degree of independence and freedom and uh, decision making, and yeah, just so much that like that that yeah could 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 lead to some dark places at some point. But uh, but yeah, so um, do you have any other any other things to add here about uh, six through eight? Uh, no, I think that covers everything, really. Okay, yeah. Uh, I also have exhausted my notes. Um, we want to take this time to thank all the patrons for submitting their questions and for even those who didn't submit questions uh, who are supporting us. We really appreciate you. Um, we, again, just uh, are so thankful that uh, you have uh, supported us and found our show worthy of support. And we hope that the perks and benefits that you are receiving are uh, to your satisfaction. Uh, and you can let us know if they are by using uh, our Discord. We have a feedback section in there for which you can offer uh, your, your feedback, your takes on our shows, on our, on our content, suggestions, all that kind of thing. Um, and there's so many more perks. Uh, just the Discord. I feel like we have such a lovely community uh, of, of people that uh, getting involved in that, I think, is worth the two, three, or five dollars a month. Uh, but but there's uh, extra content, a lot more that you can check it out at Patreon.com/slash WaterWeDishShow. Um, it's now time to rate the episodes. Um, so it is. I think we've. I, I think a lot of what we said has been a review. So I don't even think we really need to like review the episodes per se but but you know if you want to give a summative point or two like what what do you think how would you rate these episodes uh i would give them 3.75 future hairdryers out of five because even the hairdryers in vivi for i song have to be futuristically designed (laughs) i loved Uh, that it was so good uh, the world building is great Uh, (laughs) so basically i'll sum up is it's good it's different but it's not different enough Mm, mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I am gonna go just a skosh higher and give it uh four out of five, uh Danganronpa style twists. Um, yeah, I-, I think it's very good. I think uh it is a high quality production that is doing everything competently and well and solid as fuck. Um, yeah. but this is about oh, the ce- will... this is about the ceiling for I think four out of five stars is the ceiling for solid as fuck yeah I will add one thing by the way I felt really really sad I actually had an emotional reaction when uh, Grace's like internalized digital image of the daycare center for the kids like where you know the one Man. of them draw, drew this picture of like the M robot that's where that came like, from like it was that, so pure that is where I, I didn't know watching episode five because I wasn't I didn't know that Grace was at the core of it at that time. And I was like, why does this little construction AI man have this memory? But it was Grace's, yeah. like, project. Oh, man. 
yeah, that hurt me. That whole surprise, like everything, everything about that was just yeah. like really well done. It was so pure, and it just got fucking deleted. And I, I felt sad at that. And I will credit the show for, you know, invoking emotions in me, rare as that happens <laughs> these days. Yes, but yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Uh, well, that is going to do it this week for second stream. Um, follow us on Twitter, YouTube twitch we're on spotify wherever you get your podcasts except for soundcloud you'll find watery death show um give us a follow go to the apple store rate and review our pod give us the old five star and a and a quick brief review if you'd like to help uh, our discoverability um and uh shadon thank you for hanging out and for talking about uh vivi with me this week my pleasure my pleasure uh, and I have been the subtle doctor. And as we say at the end of every podcast, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good Long. night. See you next week. And bring back the brothers. Okay.